our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want help stopping. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. There we are. Welcome to Ask Dr. Drew. We have a very special afternoon here with you today. We are going to have uh, Dr. James Fallon in just a second. Uh, Dr. Fallon is a neuroscientist. He's got a great story. I've interviewed him in the past, and we want to frame this around the story of Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez's documentary is out there, and uh, a lot was made of chronic traumatic encephalopathy in his case. A lot was made of this suppressed homosexuality, but I'm here to tell you it's far more complicated than that. I, get, I believe Dr. Fallon's going to be able to help us sort that out. The next show is at 4.30 with the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness, so-called czar, uh, Mr. Robert G. Marbot. Uh, if I don't get your questions during this episode, please call back for that one. Uh, and my friend and co-host of KBC, who we worked together for over a year, Leanne Tweeden. Leanne is right here. There's Leanne. Uh, oh, I need her, need her mic on. Hi, Leanne. Hello. Hello. There you oh, are. There I am. Follow Leanne at Leanne Tweeden, L-E-E-A-N-N-T-W-E-E-D-E-N. And you know Leanne from Best Damn Sports Show and a million other I used places. I do your show all the time. All the time back in the day Dr. on Loveline. Call, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And, she and was Loveline. regular on the HLN yes, show. That yes, I, I yes. forget about that show. So, like, so watching that intro with you and all of that stuff just gets me pumped up. It's just like you through the years. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, I, I think I feel like I've been there for all you of it. You have been there from a lot yeah, of it. Yeah. Uh, and those of you... Um, uh, in just a second, we're going to get to our sponsors. We're going to get to Dr. Fallon. And uh, Dr. Fallon, you can follow him, find his book, The Psychopath Inside, A Neuroscientist's Personal Journey into the Dark Side of the Brain. You'll find out what he means by that in a minute. <laughs> uh, also, he is on Twitter at James Fallon, just like Jimmy Fallon, F-A-L-L-O-N, but James Fallon. Let's um, just take a quick break, get some business out of the way, and talk about our friends uh, at Needle Destruction Device and Social CBD. Can we do, go to that right now, and then we'll bring Dr. Fallon in here. The CBD industry is still pretty much the Wild West. When it comes to claims and criticisms, the science is catching up with the industry. We will have clinical science soon enough, and there seems to be an overwhelmingly positive response these days to CBD's efficacy. We've all heard the reports, and luckily, our good friends at Social CBD are raising the industry testing standards. They like to say they are test-obsessed. Social CBD works closely with their suppliers and multiple third-party labs to ensure you are getting exactly the package that they say you are getting. High-quality CBD with 0.0 THC. And Social CBD wants you to be skeptical. That's why they put a QR and batch code on every package. This allows you to check all the test results for your product, not general testing, the product, the one, the specific batch you bought. And while Social CBD broad-spectrum products are available in a range of formulations, each of which is clearly described so you can make an informed decision without all that hype and promises that sound too good to be true, to learn more, go to drdrew.com slash socialcbd. That is my website, drdrew.com slash S-O-C-I-A-L-C-B-D. For a limited time, you can save 20% at checkout with the code Dr. Drew. Now let's get back to the show. Needles have increasingly become a part of everyday life. Proper disposal is both difficult and expensive. We have the solution. 
simpler, safer, affordable, and fulfills the obligation to protect our environment. A single stick with something like this means tracking down the user, it means blood tests for the person's stock, it means possibly medication for an extended period of time. Needle sticks are devastating. No more. Incinerate the needle. Needle goes in this port. It's over. Done. Needle gone. We all have loved ones who use needles. Keep their home safe. Medical offices are loaded with sharps. We are using ancient technology to protect our patients, our staff, ourselves. You know what needle sticks do. You know the cost and the devastation psychologically and physically potentially from a needle stick. Eliminate that completely. Stop using ancient technology. Sand MIDI, it will solve your problems. Find out more at needledestructiondevice.com. Right. I'm very excited about that thing. Again, those things, they're, no long, they're sealed at the end, so there's no biohazard. You can just toss them out. It's crazy what an advancement that is. So please uh, check out needledestructiondevice.com if you have any interest in that. So anything going on with you right now we should go over before no. we talk about Dr. No, Fallon? just, and, uh, you know, being mom and neighborhood watch. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah, and so yeah. you, we're going to do the homeless thing coming up, yeah. and I know things have gotten worse where it's really it's really pouring into your cul-de-sac yeah now, slowly but yeah surely. crazy right. sending you videos of a woman just standing up against the pole just you know right in our neighborhood right it's good crazy. times perfect yeah. and you live uh, you live a distance from the sort of oh yeah zero we're from a total neighborhood it's oh, did i show you dr jetley's new video yeah of course yeah, okay oh, the, the, yeah. the river one oh yes the la river one not yeah. the not the canoga park no one. no the la okay, river good. one okay. yes <laughs> well yes. look up dr Je- jetley la river tourist <laughs> video or, or canoga park tourist uh, video that Catchy is what it tunes. looks like. Yes, yeah. indeed. We, we even play that. Look up the Canoga Park <laughs> video. <laughs> if you don't like the name, Dr. just change Jedley. it to West Hills or whatever he said. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. So let's let's get to it with our special guest. Again, the book is Psychopath Inside, a Neuroscientist's Personal Journey into the Dark Side of the Brain. Dr. James Fallon, Emeritus Anatomy and Biology Professor at the School of Medicine, I think at UC Irvine, where he's also Professor of Psychiatry and Human Behavior. Dr. Fallon, good to see you again. Dr. Drew, it's been a while. A couple of years, huh? It has been a couple of years, and I missed you. I missed you, too. I've been worried. sick. You, you've shrunk. Well, well clearly, about, clearly. What about the Chargers and what quarterback we're going to get? Well, clear, clearly, Hi, since you got, Hi, how are you, doctor? Good clearly, you. since you got worried, you, you, you worried so much you couldn't eat. You've lost a ton of weight since I last saw you, no? Yeah, but I've been successful in putting back about uh, 20 pounds. Right. Every three years, I got down 80 pounds, up 80 pounds. It's, my wife really likes that. <laughs> So before we get into the whole Aaron Hernandez story, would you do me the, I know this is something you've had to do a million times, but would you just give a a little thumbnail of the dark side of the brain, the personal journey of the dark side of the brain, what happened with your psychopathic research and what happened to you in that process? Yeah, I'll try to do it very, very quickly. It's basically, I've always been a completely normal person and I've, uh, my wife and I just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. We've been going out together since we were 12 years old. So we don't know anything else. So that's part of it, I guess. (laughs) And and I've always been like a very good student and had a lot of friends and uh, have no criminal background at all. And uh, and so I've always assumed that I was a completely normal person, even though since I've been about 10, there's always some adult saying there's something evil about me. I thought they were just kidding. Really? Seriously? Anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It still oh, happens. Uh, it's either a, a priest or a rabbi, some of the psychiatrists or professors that I had every year, starting at about when I went through puberty. They said they couldn't put their finger on it. So there's and, something and, really 
evil about like a weird you. Weird aura like a around you or something. Weird feeling he creates, I guess. Yeah. And, and also, you said well, for about five years, so you were you on me, right? Uh, what is it? You can see the light around me here. <laughs> oh, oh, it's the, the halo. That's what they're responding to. <laughs> An artificial halo to keep the boogeyman away. <laughs> so, but at any rate, um, so starting at about, uh, you know, I've been a professor and I've been doing science in, uh, over 40 years. So I'm like a potted plant at the university here. But at any rate, uh, starting about 1989, my ex-students in psychiatry started bringing me these scans of, uh, it turned out to be, uh, murderers and bad guys. So I did that as a sidelight. This is not my thing, right? There's, uh, but I analyzed all sorts of PET scans and EEGs and genetics and and all that. And this was just one of the things. So I went through, and uh, and I, I didn't pay any attention to it. But then in 2005, 2006, I got a whole load of them from different uh, groups, uh, different kinds of scans. And I told them, don't tell me who's the murderers, who, what they have or not, normals. I said, throwing normals, throwing schizophrenics. And uh, so I went through those. And to, to my surprise, there was a pattern. It was very obvious. And when, we, when I broke that code, it turned out that this one pattern was in all the psychopaths. So I said, oh, this is nobody really talked about the brain pattern of psychopaths. So I just started giving talks about it and vetting it. And uh, during that process, our own family uh, well, I was involved in a completely different study on Alzheimer's disease. We were trying to look for the missing genes in Alzheimer's besides APOE. And in the study, we actually found it. It's called Tom 40. But uh, it, during that study, we we had to quickly get normal. So I had the bright idea of getting my family and me, my brothers, my sister, you know, not my sister, but my brothers and uh, our kids. And, and put them through all these scans and genetics, and they came back. And, you know, I had just been looking at all of these scans of the murders on my desk and had, had this story. And they the patients brought in the scans of my family, and I looked at it and flumped through it. I couldn't see the names on it because they were covered up. And I got to the bottom of the pile, and I just started laughing. I said, okay, guys, very, very funny. You got, but you, you, you gave me the worst psychopath pattern I've ever seen. So it's one of the murders, and ha, ha, ha. So you kind of, you know, you, you pull the, a prank. You know, there's, we do this in the lab. And they go, no, no, it's actually, this is one of your family. I said, well, I said, whoever this is has got to be taken off the street because it's probably a very dangerous person. I told them this. They're like, oh, they said, no. So I had to peel it back, you know, to as just a civic duty. And of course, there was my name. And that started a whole trip. And the genetics showed the same thing. And I had the pattern of like a pure psychopath and the genetic mix of 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 uh, someone with those traits too and that uh, and i kind of laughed it off but it it over after a couple of years and i finally got diagnosed and i you know very slow because i didn't take it seriously i said i'm a regular guy i'm okay and then people started telling me things of what they really thought of me and that changed everything so that's what the wow. book is about is that whole trip and, and as i understand it's you you discovered a particular pattern of psychopathy that is relevant in your family lineage which is how family members treat each other correct yeah, you know, as it turns out, as this was going along, we had known in our family about our cousin Lizzie Borden, related. Oh, Borden was related oh to Lizzie Borden. Gosh. Yes. So that was going to be my question. You pass this down to your kids. So I mean, well, well how did your kids' brain you know, scans look? The genealogy is not genetics, which is not direct. Not, but yeah, uh, my mother, and she just died last year at 102. She, she just wow. didn't want to leave the planet, which is wild. She's a very brave person. Anyway, she found this book. And finally, you know, she's Sicilian. 
and she's always been teased about uh, being mafiosa. You, you know, they knew mafia and they were bootleggers. And they, my grandfather grew up on the streets in New York after he came from Sicily, the whole thing, you know. And uh, but he was a nice guy, he really great guy, in fact. And so he, she found a book, was finally, it's get even time. She was sick of being called mafiosa by all the civilians. And of course, my aunts, they all married non-Sicilians, which we call civilians. And uh, but at any rate, in it, she says, read this. And was at a party. And I said, Ma, we're cooking. I went out and caught all these albacore and we had a bunch of people there. She was so excited. And so uh, so at the end of the party, we sat down and she got me to the end of the book. It's called Killed Strangely. And it's a story, a historical story that had just come out uh, about the first murder of a mother by a son. The first case of matricide by, you know, in white America, colonial is back in the 1670s. And, and she goes, read on. So after read on, there were several more in this direct lineage. So I got these grandfathers. And since that time, there were three other lines on my father's side, the English side, uh, where all these bad actors, you know, murderers and just scoundrels completely. Or they were like, they were like, you know, ministers and very, very well-behaved people. So in our family, you go one way or the other. There's no in-between. There's no Isn't like regular. It's really interesting. So there's that part of it too. It was, and uh, so at any rate, it's my my one cousin who found a lot of this out. He ended up doing a thesis uh, on all the good things in our family. So he got his Ph.D. thesis to show the balance of this and how how these things are passed down. It was almost the epigenetics of good behavior and holy behavior as opposed to the epigenetics and genetics of uh, evil. Well, that's fascinating. So did he have a theory? And you almost went down that sort yeah. of hyper-religious path, right? Yeah, I was always from the beginning. I, I had obsessive compulsive disorder, not the personality disorder. I knew I was having crazy thoughts from the time of, I was uh, about, uh, you know, 10 until and it, it slowly started to go away at 18, 19, 20, uh, when it turned into panic attacks, which was kind of weird. So, um, so anyway, yeah, I had this obsessive compulsive disorder and was a, um, I was, it was about religion. So this is called hyper-religiosity. And I had that, and I had to finally, when I got the first year in college, I had my priest, I really got along, one of the priests, I went to a Catholic college in Vermont, St. Michael's College, and the priest there that became buddies with, it was great, he goes, you got to get out of the church, man. He says, you do not need any religion. He says, you're uh -huh. so high bad on it. So I actually had a priest when I was 18 talk me out of uh, being a Catholic or any religion. He says, you don't need it, you're so much the other way. And he really helped me, you know? And so it's like you try to get rid of the formalities of something, uh, and, and but keep the heart of morality to understand morality, moral behavior. So can you tell me what, like, a psychopath, you know, when you think of psychopath, you think of, like, what, Killing Eve or something like that, right, where people are crazy? I mean, inherently, mm -hmm. are people murderers? I, I mean, I think I've known a few psychopaths that I've worked with in the past, and they can be crazy. And Don't they can talk be about my friend Tom like But they're also <laughs> very uh, convincing, and they, they bring you in early, and you're so convinced that I they're think, great people. I think those are probably more sociopaths, but let's, let's uh, talk about okay. the difference. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, it's good to, to differentiate. Because you're not a murderer that we know of. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm, I'm well behaved. I really am. <laughs> but I have crazy thoughts. You know, I have urges and thoughts. I just don't act them out. And I mean, it's in my psychiatric reports. It's interesting. He's, the, the, the two of the people looked at me and said, he's got all of the dreams and urges and thoughts, mentations of a full-blown psychopath. He just doesn't act. It's kind of curious. Hmm. Uh, but at any rate, well, you don't know this inside, right? You don't know. You figure everybody's having these thoughts and, and they're not. 
So at any rate, it's it's it, you know it's a good thing to bring up you know what basic personality traits are for the most part genetically determined, and so for each personality trait like extroversion or aggressiveness, uh, there's all these different traits, and there's usually ten to twenty, let's say fifteen genetic genes that code for that. And it depends on the alleles, the form of the gene you get from your mother and your father, and that combination. It's a casino mix of these things. Mm -hmm. Very hard to predict what you're going to get. It's quite random. But at any rate, if you get a group of high aggression genes, now you know they're called warrior genes, well, then you'll have an aggressive personality. It doesn't make you a psychopath. It doesn't make you a criminal, but you're really aggressive. And you're a real pain in the ass to play Scrabble with or any sort of game. You're hyper competitive, real aggressive. Uh, and, and it's usually very good to have, you know, if you're in business, if you're in advertising, if you're in uh, any com competitive field, Leadership, it really yeah. helps you win. It's drive and energy, too. So at any rate, now that you're, you're born with, right? So you're born with these and they're all on kind of a sliding scale and a spectrum. And how these are put together with other things like the kind of empathy you have. There's emotional empathy. And then there's cognitive empathy. And psychopaths have cognitive empathy. They know what you're feeling, but they don't feel it with you. Right. They don't they, care. They, right? they, they cannot care because they don't feel it with you. That's their right. liability. Right. But, they right. can use it, but, and, but this is a normal trait. There are people that have this where, and they're good to go to because they'll give you advice. They don't cry when you're telling a story. And they'll figure it out, and then they'll try to help you. And it turns out a lot of people with this cognitive empathy are the ones that give money, that help people, that yes. are full early mercenary, because uh, they do things. Whereas the people who kind of cry with you, a lot of times they don't give money. You know, they're, they're, they just they're, they're just they hugs. Give their and emotional money. It's what it's what some people call pro social. Well, that's why, yeah, pro social psychopath, right? They can be highly pro social. Well, they can be high, absolutely high uh, pro social and and, uh, and and very giving. So there are all these different traits, and when you add them up. Uh, and this was started by Cleckley back in the 40s and 50s and then all the way into the 90s. And he really came up with the first differentiation and good definition of a psychopath versus a sociopath. Now, this, the psychopath it has the genetic predispositions for uh, for these behaviors. So they have low, they're wired for low emotional empathy, high aggression, uh, they don't show any anxiety. So when the police catch them or their wife catches them, I didn't do it. And they, they show no guilt. And in fact, they don't care. There's no moral reasoning there. And so. Well, they, but they, so they have a moral, cognitive moral reasoning, right? Sometimes they, they don't have moral sensibility, they but they can have moral cognitive reasoning. It's like the husbands reasoning. that'll stand there. They've murdered their wife and kids. And then they just act like, oh, I've been uh, looking for her. I, we miss her. And yeah. yeah. Well, Exactly. Well, they know that you think it's wrong, but to them, it's like being blind from birth. You you know people are talking about this, but you don't know what light is. And so in that way, they don't have moral reasoning. And the parts of the brain which sort of adjudicate this are the orbital cortex, you know, at the base of the frontal lobe, uh, which is also the place where football players get hit a lot. You know, right here, there's a lot of damage right here, yeah. but it's right in that area. And then part of the temporal lobe, where the amygdala is, and then the connector, which is the insula, and that's this one of the centers for empathy processing. Uh, right. So, so, so you're we're talking now. So we're getting into slowly into chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which was what one of the things Aaron Hernandez had. Right. 
But uh, can I ask a question yeah. for you? You were talking about, you know, like the genes from the mother and father and how it's kind of like, you know, casino night and they go together. But how yeah. much does environment play into, like, say for you, for example, or not acting out on your, you know, you're having these thoughts, right. but you're not going out there murdering people or doing crazy things. So so how do you get a killing Eve versus a James Fallon? Yeah. That's the question. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I was just very lucky because the family I was brought up in uh were very loving. And and my mother and my aunts are really, these are very bright women. It was, you know, the matriarchy usually is are the ones who can sense all this stuff and do something about it. And so it's the mothers oftentimes. I had a very strong relationship with my father, always did, and with my uncles and grandfathers, but with my mother and, my, and her sisters uh, were very smart women, really smart. And all went to graduate school when, I think it was back in the 30s and 40s. Mm. And, um, and so she perceived and, and, and one of my aunts especially said, there's something wrong with him. And she didn't tell me this until a few years ago. Uh, she said, we were always concerned about you. You're acting very dark and strange. I, I was where I was like a happy-go-lucky kid. And they just told my teachers and the people around me, make sure he doesn't uh, get in with the wrong people. Make sure he doesn't, you know, bully or get bullied. And all my teachers who were great too, they followed this and they were, uh, really kind of guided me along. And these are angels. And, you know, had I not had them, because uh, like my mother said, and also some psychiatrists I knew at the time, whenever, uh, any my wife will say this, whenever he gets bored, whenever he's not busy, watch out. Which is another feature of psychopathy is they need stimulation. Right. And if you notice, I noticed in yeah, the yeah. Uh, Killing Eve, they, he tries to take her to a museum and she just she looks at the thing and she's she goes so bored. boring. <laughs> she's like yeah, right. yells in the middle of the right? museum. And I was like, yeah, that's a psychopath. It's perfect. Let me let me take a quick call here. I'm gonna say quick call because somebody wants you to distinguish specifically. I want to make sure they're understanding what you're saying. Christine has a question about what we've been discussing. Christine, go ahead. Hi guys, I'm just wondering. I had heard somewhere that the sociopath is like it's a learned behavior that being raised in a household where they don't have the empathetic parents, that they learn how to be a sociopath, but that the psychopath is an actual change in the brain that they have from birth. So is that even close to so being on track here? It's close, close. But let's yeah, it's uh, halfway, halfway there. That's yeah. uh, Christine. That's great. I mean, it's halfway there because the thing is, if you have the genes that code for this, that is the, the extremes of behavior, uh, and you're abused or abandoned, they're both the same, between birth and about two years old, it's that early abuse or abandonment, then it releases stress hormones, cortisol, and those then uh, put methyl groups in the brain on those social brain areas, the frontal lobe and the amygdala, right. and it seems to fix them. It's This is where epigenetics, that the environment at that time, it's not any time, early couple of years, uh, then I, I, that, would argue up, I would argue up to age five. I it just clinically, it seems like that's a better window for this. But it, it, it does, but it does, you know, and, and yeah, but okay, it, it, it's it's graded. So the, by yeah. the time you get to five, it's, it's a lot less, but it's true. I mean, it is, but it's maximum up to two or three. And so that then fixes the regulators of genes, the promoters and inhibitors of genes. And that sticks on there. That chemical group that was added by stress sticks there. That means they're always on right so always on now with other people it's, it's related to all yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really more brain integration the brain doesn't integrate yeah. properly the social centers don't integrate with the emotional centers and stuff so mm. go ahead dr fallon yeah 
And so that connection, right, between these upper areas of the frontal cortex for cognition and thought and rational behavior and the lower areas, which are emotional uh, or limbic behaviors, these are not connected up properly. Now, everybody goes through stressors, okay? Now, if you don't have the genetics, there's nothing to trigger, right? And so a lot of kids have all these, you know, can get abused and thrown down the stairs and they just laugh and get up and walk away. So it doesn't happen to everybody. But if you have those genes, you know, it could be 20% of kids. If you have them and you're abused, then these stay locked on. And, you know, if you, let, let's see how this makes sense, you know, in terms of the evolution of this. If you were brought up, in a in a, an abusive world or in, in bullying and there's all this war and fighting and that's what your brain sees well in order for you to survive you better be a tough son of a bitch and so you are then keyed for life uh to to react and fight back and to be aggressive so it makes sense whereas if you're brought into a loving world that doesn't happen now it doesn't mean you can't be attacked and, and kill somebody but you're not like on all the time with a psychopath, that's the way it is. And in fact, they had, there's no moral reasoning. So, you know, in terms of all Abrahamic thinking, Judeo-Christian and Muslim uh, culture, in order to have uh, something, it, to do something immoral, you have to understand that it's immoral, right? It's right. not just right. doing you it. You have but, to know that it's wrong. Well, yeah. And, and uh, you know, if, if you ever seen the Aztec Codex, the Aztec Codex. Yes, I have. I, in fact, and, yes. And it shows you how to abuse kids. Oh, it's how to create a yeah. warrior. It's, it's how you hold them yeah, over yeah, fire when they're one year old. Toughen them of, up. Yeah, and well, and they, they made grit. this great warrior nation. That's yeah, what they did. Yeah. But well, then they started uh, tearing everybody's hearts out. Right, the way. throwing them down the... Yeah. yeah. The bloody mess, yeah. And it happened in Greece. It happened in the Syria, Turkey. So a lot of ancient cultures, these warrior cultures that people... You know, if you look, it seems so cool and cute. And that's really sexy. It's a warrior culture. It's not, it's not cool because they kill you for no reason. Right. So... Now, seems very now short-lived. That's, what's that? It seems very short-lived. Okay. Well, you're right. you know, that life can only, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you can't have a 102-year-old life living that extreme all the time. It's true. Yeah. And so now that's for a psychopath. So when they do something uh, immoral, they it's not immoral because they don't think it is, right? And in that weird sense, the psychopaths are not really, culp you know, they're not really culpable. They're not able to commit a sin because they don't think it's even a sin. You have to understand it's immoral and a sin. So in a weird way, it makes psychopaths just basically great white sharks. Whereas in a sociopath, that can happen from l later bullying. So let's say somebody's bullied at five or six or seven. Or, or abuse. And they have, or what? Or abuse too, right? Real Yeah, yeah, abuse, more abuse yeah. and bullying and everything. Well, that then, you don't have a permanent change in the brain. Okay, and that's where I think Christine was saying, well, it's learned. Well, it's like if you get, you know, bullied at that point, or if you're not genetically set for that, but you then get bullied seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Well, then you become what is also known as the very angry loser, right? And you're always trying to get even. Hmm. Uh, I, I gave a, uh, a talk in the Royal Society of London with the former head of the jihadist movement in, in the UK. So he and I talked about, you know, what the training had done to him. And, but he said he was brought up fine and he got out. So that's why he gave, we did the talk together. And he said that basically, um, you know, they're looking for people who are not necessarily psychopaths per se, but people have been bullied, abused, raped. And, and these guys are getting even with the world. They're looking for revenge. And that's what a sociopath is. That's a sociopath is the angry 
loser. They think they're losers, right? And so this is the way they take it out in the world. That's different than a psychopath who does it as part of like a white shark. They're just natural predators. They're just predatorial animals. Yeah, that's that's a big and, difference, and even though they do yeah. the same thing. It's it's crazy. And no. sociopaths also, by the way, can be very charming. Well, and it reminds me, what's that group of guys that, that feel like women don't want them and then they get very angry, like the one murderer kid up in Santa Barbara? Incels. Incels. Yes. Incels. What, yeah. what, do those fit? Yeah, this is the typical yeah. thing. The It's the, you know, these, these uh, not just the terrorists, but these kids who blow up things. You know, it's it's like, um, and, and what they tend to do, the sociopaths tend to do, they will end up killing the same kind of woman. It's that girl when they, she was 15 that had the, you know, the part in the middle and the hair with dark hair. And that's what they kill. They're getting even with all those women for being shunned. And that doesn't happen to everybody. No. You know, we've all been, you know, you walk across the dance floor and the girl goes, no, I don't want to dance with you. But these guys, it's different. So there, there is a bit of wiring, but that abuse can come later, not before two or three or four uh, years, years yeah, old. James, and, okay, Drew, Dr. Dr. Fallon, does, does your brain structure allow you in any kind of in, like i know alcoholics can see other alcoholics very vividly can you see other psychopaths more vividly than, than the average person <laughs> just curious well one of the things that is i'm not on my cv and i'm part of some organizations uh that uh work to how do we say this overthrow their governments right but uh since they're all libertarians they don't believe in violence but the idea is to kind of evince this or to to support those people who are going to overthrow these pernicious governments. Uh, the thing is, they want to find out if the person coming in is worse than the guy they are now, you know. Right. So right. usually what I do is I'll go out they're drinking with them all night or for two nights to see if they're worse. And um, and, and and this is true for a lot, of, you know, because I know a lot of the Eastern European and former um, the Soviet uh, I, I work a lot with them and also have, I know the, you know, the opposition in Korea and in Syria and other places is not something on my CV, but frankly, this is, so, so I'm brought in to, 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 to be them, right? I'm trying to put myself into their mindset. And, you know, oftentimes when, you know, if you look at a jury trial, they'll say, and it happened in the, you know, in, in one of the, the Aaron Hernandez's trial, it's like, who would do this? Would you act this way? Would you act very calm after you kill somebody? Well, they're what they're appealing to is your ignorance that they don't. If the, if you're you got a psychopath or somebody, they don't care, yeah. and so right. they can they're kill all people yeah. and then turn around two minutes later and be you know, have a beer, be and look completely right. happy. Bounce their and in, so, you know, infant baby on their knee really, like nothing yeah. happened. Yeah, nothing happened, yeah. and they really don't. So they that do. kind of behavior is more more like who Aaron Hernandez is. So Aaron Hernandez, I, I may let you do it, is he was he was a famous tight end for the New England Patriots who ended up killing a bunch of people. Yeah. That's the short strokes, and then going to prison for it and then killing himself. Uh, but I'm gonna get back to what Dr. Fallon just said about Aaron Hernandez. So you're building a case that he probably one of the things he ha may have had was psychopathy. Well, if you look at it, it's 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 a uh, it's a it's a confusing case because he had so many things. I right. Right. Yes. Yes. That was what I thought. Yes. That's exactly yes. what I thought. Uh, so yep. if you look at you know between nature and nurture and what was internal in him. In football terms, it was piling on. Yeah, there was so yeah. many ways that it could this could happen, and yeah. so 
if you looked at his background, if you looked at his mother, who seems to be kind of without any sort of emotional empathy. She, and, right. Now, she was sort of psychopathic that, or well, something. That right. relationship, well, that one phone call about, well, you should have just given me a million dollars. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, who talks and to by this the way, like she each took other. off with his best friend, his cousin's husband. husband. Not. See, but she, doesn't, she may not think no, it's no, wrong. No, no, she her, no harm intended. But also, yeah, right. But also, there are people, you know, it's like the mothers who have no connection to their babies. That's a normal thing. It's not so, it's kind of, you know, not common, but it's not a, a pathological thing because it happens. It depends how you're wired. If you have no, you know, if your vasopressin receptors and your oxytocin receptors, your androgen receptors, and all these bonding uh, sorts of uh, receptors, if you inherit that, you can have very low connectivity with your kids or anybody and it's not so it's not criminal and she may have that so i'm not saying she's a right. psychopath but you, no, it, right. you listen to you watch horrible, it right. we're saying just like right. this all when you a lot look at it all raised. together yes. like you yeah, know his, eyebrows raised that, and, and, so, if so that's he, one that's one thing so his relationship with his mom was not right. not bonded now the, he, he has evidence of psychopathic features the lack of anxiety and lack of remorse that right. kind of stuff lost he, his father who was very big in his life and but that's the father he, was physically you know, abused you know, his father was kind of the great Santini, this overbearing, very exactly. strict sort of guy, and abusive, and also, and, and abusive. You know, yeah. when you when you hear that, and then on top of it, he gets sexually abused as a, as a, as yeah, a kid. Right. It's, it's now, like, it's but like, did you notice how they didn't show that until the like the last the third hour? I know. At the the last minute, you saw the interview with his older brother, and he said, yeah. "Well, he was taken into the closet when we were playing hide and seek." And that was the first time that they had said that it wasn't him having a relationship with another man on his own. It was abused. That, oh, he was abused when he was little. And I'm like, whoa, they just yeah, yeah. kind of threw that in there. And then yeah. into the show, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Well, that, So when you, you go, good God, this you don't have to go to football, right? <laughs> you don't have to go to drugs. You don't have to go. Just this is enough uh, to, to create a person who, by the time they're teenagers, are really causing trouble in society right. and are prime candidates for psychopathy. So- You've got two parents that are not ideal. Let's, because I, I don't know them, but it looked like right. that's a great right. Based yeah. on what the documentary shows, right. we don't know. Right. Them, and so, based on that, if you you can't assume it, but they may he may have been genetically inherited from his parents, right? Yep. Yep. And then on top, he's abused, and he's got a very cold family, really. Uh, but he he learns to love it because he needs that structure. Structure. Yeah. That's right. That's what football that. gave him. And in the football, yeah, the beard to give you structure, but he was in trouble early on. You could see that, and so I, I so people always like their their favorite thing they hate, right? And it's and 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 and, and so it's a becomes a political a political sort of a story to a lot of people. So there are people that hate competition. And so they want it to be football because they hate competition of football. They hate those winning and losing, or they want it to be the toxicity of testosterone. Uh, and, and it's not just the testosterone level. It's what, uh, well, there's what receptor. Yeah, right. What receptor. They, also want it, they also want it to be uh, homophobia that he couldn't, he couldn't come out yeah, of sexual orientation. Right. Right. There, there's no. that in there. And, and then they want to put in chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And I, I almost yeah. wonder and the way the documentary shows that the CTE is sort of pushed forward as primary, the CTE might have actually made him more docile, right? It may have made him more docile. And so so people want to get rid of football, or maybe they care. But um, if, you, if you look at that, there are people who get not uh, just genetically caused damage, you know, certain wiring, like in a pure psychopath without brain damage, uh, that you can do it 
because, you know, in the murderers that I've looked at, all the scans of a bunch of them, a lot of times they got holes all over their head because they've been beat up and they take a lot of drugs. And But it masks. That's what I was able to see is that under all of this sort of noise, because they had been beaten up by their, you know, their uncle and they had taken a lot of drugs, there was all this noise. But all of those murderers from the psychopaths had this underlying pattern. So they didn't need you know all these holes in the head and the drugs they right. were headed that down right. that road anyway so, so you could so, you could argue that maybe the prefrontal cortex was sort of not functioning normally and it's de it's re-released but let's let's i'm going to put a scan up there where you have a question okay yes i do so so at one point when he goes down to florida and it, everything sort of just kind of explodes he's he's very popular they have a great football program he gets away with a lot of things how do psychopaths do when they do have authority figures come in and say he would be have been put in jail or held accountable for the actions that he did, like murdering people mm -hmm. and all of underage sure. drinking and things, could that have changed his path in life or well, no? You know, these, yeah, that's where, you know, at this point where the environment helps sculpt the ultimate behavior moment to moment, because, you know, if, if he was a psychopath, we don't know, right? But if he was a psychopath, and, and he's certainly a sociopath, because that's the, you can see the behavior, but if he was a psychopath, um, he is going to take any opportunity that's given to him any little open door, any little crack in the door by interacting with people. And that and psychopaths will use all of that. And they're very clever at it. And they're since they don't have to think about other things, about caring about people really and anything, they can spend a lot of neural energy in in scheming and seeing the holes, right? And in and, and really abusing people. So you get a situation like that. And all it's uncorked headers. I mean, now he's in a situation where he can get away with anything. Everybody loves him. They'll let him and idolizes them. Right. And there, you know, it is really open season on the, the whole society. And then we throw in he was doing K2, which is godforsaken oh, effect. Stuff. Synthetic yeah. pot and, and, and tons of pot and maybe withdrawing from pot. So given all these things, so we're adding it up. So it is uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, abandonment, cold Parents, environment, yeah. Yeah. genetics, CTE, uh, drug abuse of various yeah. types. Uh, with a bad out. crowd, bad, uh, bad, bad know, crowd, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It, it, do you think he committed suicide? Does that fit? Does the suicide fit with the entire story? Not, not, not completely. Yeah. So there's some. But questions. you know how they, they made they, it seem at the very end that all of a sudden that maybe he had a lover in prison, and that at the last minute that maybe that's why Odin, you know, was murdered because uh, Odin Lloyd because he found out that he had a relationship with another man or they, they what made have a lot you. out of that in the dock. Right. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. But they're like, and two days later he was found hanging in his yeah. his room. You know. So I'm like, yeah, you know, were they trying to make that correlation, or was that just something they were trying to make us think? Psychopath is less likely to do that. Right, and and a sociopath is somewhat more likely to do that. Right, and but we can't. You don't know that. You know the, the problem is you don't know because it could be anything. Right. And in fact, he could have been. He knew that the game was up. Right, and he, and and so he could have just thought intelligently. This is a way to get uh, get my wife and my child a lot of money. Which you right. you know you'd say well a normal person could do that, but you really don't know. But it wouldn't follow. You know, psychopaths can 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 go to the end, man. They can just uh, stick in there and they won't commit suicide uh, too much. A sociopath might, but so I don't know. Uh, you know about that. The um, the the whole gay angle is an odd one because they don't really murder at a higher rate. They don't do anything. You know, it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. an independent business. Of, but it makes for a 
more of a story, but it's yeah, uh, it, yeah. yeah. It it's was a red well, I think that's why they had the other guy on there that was gay, and he's like, you know, yeah. I, what I took from that is when he said, "I thought about you know, once football was over, I would just take my own life." But that was more of him just hurting himself, not like Aaron Hernandez just going well, out and murdering people. But, but that's one of the know, things outward. that if people, one of the general principles I've noticed in people that can kill is that life has very low meaning low in, certain, in certain moments for them. And their own yeah. life also has oftentimes low value too. So they can suddenly and impulsively do things like suicide, especially you throw drugs in. Because then the desperation kicks on. Does K two? Does that? that do can people do all have kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. All kinds yeah. of crazy. Yeah. And didn't you say you, like chain smoking pot is also uh, kind of withdrawal? Yeah, yeah, but the withdrawal was, maybe you couldn't get any. Yeah, and K two that causes a lot of pain, a lot of psychic pain. Mm. It's the withdrawal because that withdrawal releases corticotropin releasing hormone. It's the stress mm. main stress hormone yep. into the amygdala, and it feels like hell. And that's when people lose what somebody they love. Like a like a migraine or something? No, no, like no. Physical no. pain? It, it, no. What do you mean it, by that? Well, so so psychic pain. What does with, that mean? With cannabis and well, depends on which drug. Each one, this withdrawal strain is slightly different, but because that found is right. A core biology is the corticotropin releasing factor CRF that's released in high it floods, which creates creates dysphoria of all types. Muscle aches, back, and your, oh. your insular cortex is firing off, so you have misery. You feel like you have the flu, but you're at the, you also feel desperate. I, you know, in many of the bad withdrawal syndromes that people don't recognize, desperation is the worst symptom. It's mm -hmm. the one we really can't treat very well, and they can't specify what they're desperate about. Right. They just feel they desperate. They just feel desperate. They got it to yeah. end, whatever this is. Well, it's interesting. On one of the phone calls, too, you hear Aaron Hernandez say, man, my whole body aches, mm -hmm. my knees are aching, yeah, yeah. football just took a lot out of me, but maybe he just thought that, I mean, of course, control. football does take a lot out of you any professional athlete that's been doing it for his whole it, life but you know maybe it, he was feeling that psychic pain maybe yeah not everybody gets it the true addicts and the addicts we've studied over the years you do pet scans and their genetics are different it's not just they want another hit it's this the crh system which you can never get rid of that uh, feeling unless you have the drug in you and so you know even with smokers we did whole very long series of studies with smokers and everything and they're all living for that first cigarette of the day that's what gives them pleasure. But the rest of the day, all the cigarettes sort of keep the pain away. They keep that CRH from being injected into their brains. It feels terrible. Yeah. Like you've literally lost someone, lost a loved one. Wow. Terrible. And so and that not everybody has that. Or true addicts have it. But not everybody's wired that way at all. So a lot of people take drugs and it doesn't matter because they don't get that response. And weirdly, adolescents often don't have much of a withdrawal syndrome. I've noticed, you know, I worked in adolescent unit for a while and you'd see kids just stop heroin and they, yeah. They walk two hours later, be fine. Never have any withdrawals. Very, very strange. Interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, so uh, I'm 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 flooded with ideas about this case, and when um, let's let's just Leanne, do me a favor and describe just for people that don't know who Aaron Hernandez was, because I'm sure you were covering him when you were in sports. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a very people knew he was, and especially going to the New England Patriots, right? They're Bill Belichick and, and with Tom Brady, they're the, probably the clean. greatest of all times, with Robert Kraft, yeah. right? They, yeah. they they win because they do things the right way and they keep a tight lid on everything. Mm -hmm. And I think he came in and there 
you know, as of late, the New England Patriots have taken some people that have always been questionable as far as like, is that the kind of person? But mm-hmm. they look at how good they are on the field as an athlete. And, and they I think, think their they, culture can contain yeah, them Yeah, maybe we can sort of keep an eye on them, maybe not make them go back and forth. Well, you saw Urban Meyer, his, his college coach was like, mm-hmm. we were desperately trying not to let him go back to Connecticut because that's where all his bad friends were. And that's yeah. where he does bad things when he's away from the structure of coming to my house with my family and kids. And, you know, you saw Urban Meyer's wife, she, mm-hmm. she's like, he would come and play on the floor with my children. That's not the guy that I knew. But the minute he got away from that, you know, there he was getting back in the wrong crowd and easily fell right back in. But, you know, he was a very, very, very talented player. And, you know, I think when he was drafted, and he wasn't drafted to like middle of the fourth round. Yeah. And I think people, a lot of people were surprised, but they weren't surprised, right? Because you thought he'd go right at the top, one of the top picks. And then he didn't, and it's like right there is a red flag because they do their history. They know if they're going to give you multi-year contracts with millions of dollars, that adds to the mm-hmm. stress. Now you're not playing college football. Sure, college football, but now you're on the big stage. And I think they had a lot of reservations about that, which is too bad for somebody that had so much talent. Let's now also talk a little more generally about psychopathy. We have we have scans uh that, that you know, Caleb, I wonder if you could put up, can we put those um, brain scans up? And so Dr. Fallon could, there, that's normal versus psychopath. Can you see the scans we're looking oh. at, Dr. Fallon? Yes, sure. Uh, and tell us what and we're looking at. Those are positron emission tomography, PET scans. That's the highest resolution scan, from the highest resolution scanner. So these very high quality scans that show the individual metabolism of cells throughout the brain. So it's been put into a color scheme where red means very high activity. So these are cells that are taking up a lot of glucose and really firing like crazy. So wherever you see red's very active, uh, really hyperactive, above normal. Yellow's kind of in the middle. And then where you see uh, blue and uh, some of the dark green and blue, uh, it's, it's off. And so you can, if you challenge a person in a scanner and you show them pictures of you know, school buses, the kids blowing up or some awful stuff and people getting caught up and everything. Um, the normal person gets, shows those top two, those are two people that are normals. Um, they, all those areas are activated. The psychopath, when you show them awful pictures down below, there's no response in that area in the frontal lobe. It's called the orbital cortex and ventromedial cortex and interior cingulate and also insula. Hmm. Uh, there's no response. And there's no brain response, and in fact, it doesn't even bother them, and they may even laugh at those images. So that's to uh, show with a functional scan. It's not a CT scan or an MRI. So it's a, a, a functional PET scan, sure, and that sure, shows metabolism. Yeah, yeah, how hard those cells are working, and the areas of the brain on the lower section with the, with the psych- psychopath, those areas are not turned on at all by these stimuli when they should. And so the, the brain areas that are supposed to care about ethics and morality, empathy, are not turned on at all. Wow. And it, it even looks like it's shrunk a little bit in that backside of the psychopath. The blue, it it's looks smaller, side, yeah. or the front side, yeah. it looks smaller even than the rest it's of the other normal so brain. dark. And if you look at the MRI, the CT, you can see that the brain structure is there. It's just there's absolutely no activity. It's no incredible. lights on. No lights on in the house. Yeah, right? and, and so and, you know how we feel. Some people believe the insula and the anterior cingulate are the key means whereby we feel. It's a great book about the insula called I think it's called How We Feel. And uh, there's a lot of data now about the the insula being constructed anterior to posteriorly as a series of homunculi of increasing clarity and sort of with body uh, with sort of uh, information coming in from interoception from the body. Right. 
I, and uh, yeah, the insulin really is, uh, it, it maps your guts out, you know, right. and it's a map of emotion and, 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 and internal feeling. And uh, you can see in a psychopath what's turned on. There's a part of the insulin that's turned on uh, with cognitive empathy. So it's not like it's completely dead. It's, it's the brain stuff is there, but you got to show them something and they will be cognitively understand somebody's uh, in pain, let's say. Are you they saying like, oh, I know that other people would feel sorry for this person. Right. I don't, but I right. know that that should be the normal response. Yes. That's right. And you can learn that. You can learn, you know, I understand that you're in pain and and people who are normal, you know, they become very uh, charitable and they because and they, they don't get emotionally involved. So it doesn't get in their way either. So it's pretty handy. It's, uh, it's interesting. But right. I was, well, that's what you were talking you know, about on the show a lot, that a lot of successful business people sort of, you know, that's why a lot of these bad yeah. genes or traits have sort of continued on because you yeah. need certain people at this high level to run. There's there's adaptive advantages to having some of these people amongst us. If well, yeah, I mean, it would be very helpful. Yeah, it's good to have, you know, you, you don't want complete psychopaths, but you want right. psychopathic right. traits in the culture. Well, can you, psychopathic can, traits, which are... I, can you yeah, differentiate something I'd not heard of before? The the distempered versus charismatic uh, psychopath is that is that a psychopathic categorization that, or sociopathic? Go ahead. Well, Aaron Hernandez would be a distempered. These are people that shoot off, you know, get very violent and angry. Whereas a real smooth operator, really uh, the the charismatic ones, these are the real charmers. Um, Calculate. And they, they look at you know it's always funny because people. I, I give talks about Putin and all these leaders and about presidents and and how they rate on these things. And and people don't I don't think a lot of people quite understand it because they think a sweet talking guy is a good guy. And it turns out if you look at the, the, the biggest the people with the most psychopathic traits, that is presidents of the United States, uh, they were JFK, FDR, um uh you know the Roosevelts were were classics, uh, and Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was was way up there, and That's he, he may have been. They, they, I talked to another psychopath expert, and she she put Roosevelts uh, and Bill Clinton. Not not. And by the way, I thought Bill Clinton had a great presidency. I thought he was a great administrator. But well, my other psychopathic expert friend said he's a pro-social psychopath. What about Al yeah, yeah. Carolla? I'm not going to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> oh, he's got to be here to defend himself. <laughs> but people always think that uh, there are people who are. Um, who, who who you just don't like? So they always want Bill. They always want like uh, Donald Trump or these other people. There. And and I try Do to you tell think them Donald Trump is a psychopath. Well, no, no, there are no psychopaths that talk like he does. He just he piss people off. Psychopath <laughs> will do that. He knows he's pissing people off. They're all you know a psychopath. We gotta love you, baby. You know I really love you. you know it's all that that kind of con. Uh, you're trying to get the female voters. They tend to go toward that. Not it could be guys too, and they buy into it. But Somebody like Trump, they, they don't talk like that. He, I mean, he's narcissistic, but he knows what he's doing. It's not, you know, the thing about personality disorders, the most pernicious uh, people who commit murders and other capital crimes have these what are called cluster B personality disorders, which includes narcissistic personality disorder and psychopathy and borderline. There's sociopath. You know, several yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah and, so, and so the thing is, what makes it different, if you have the personality disorder, you don't realize, you don't know you have it. So people, for example, who have obsessive compulsive disorder, they know their thoughts are crazy, but they can't stop them. People with OCD personality disorder, they think the thoughts are fine. You see, that's the difference is that the, per the cluster B personality disorders, they believe it. 
And 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 you know, listening to Trump, he's just it's a it's it's playing with people, and he's a salesman and all that stuff. Uh, but people don't like him. I didn't vote for him, I, and I I've just I've never voted for a Republican. But fair is fair here, and he's not that guy is not a psychopath. And, and a, right now we got we're showing up a picture of Aaron Hernandez's brain, which shows the yeah. ventricular enlargement. See, there right. you have these these fluid filled vessels yeah. in the middle of your in brain. The middle, yeah. And see how big they are on the right. Is that there? because he had a lot of injury and fluid the, built up? Inside no, the there? brain just shrunk. And the oh, fluid replaced oh, it. So he's got shrinkage there. And that's the CTE. And that may or may not have been a, a feature of all while this went down. Right. And, you know, it, it also looks kind of like Alzheimer's. Yeah. I, I work with a computer guy to create an automatic way of determining Alzheimer's by looking at the gaps in the, the size of the ventricles and everything. We, we get about 97% accurate. Good. Uh, wow. But in this case, you get some of the changes are like Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, and it's not like concussions. Concussions are, you know, reversible damage, uh, but with th this chronic uh, sort of damage, and it probably has something to do with the type of tau protein genes you have too. So there's a there's a genetic component probably, but nobody really knows what that is. Uh, but it's how you are able to metabolize and fold the tau protein and the uh, and in. In the case of CT, in the case of Aaron Hernandez, it almost it looks a bit like uh, Alzheimer's, but also depending on where you've been hit, if those brain areas go offline, if you've yeah. been hit in the front wall, well, you lose inhibition, so you become disinhibited, right. uh, and you see that in psychopaths, but also in impulsive killers, which are not psychopaths, but they both have that in common. They both they have degeneration or loss of activity in the lower frontal lobe. I, I want to go back to really quick, two quick things. One is you were talking about personality disorders and how one of the features of personality disorders is you're not the problem. The world is the problem. Right. They don't have Everybody insight else. into what their features are. That's right. To the world. But is is that how is that the same or different than anosognosia? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, anosognosia is a usually linked to a problem with the dorsal parietal cortex. This part, not up here but this part, and this is an area that maps external space in relationship to your eyes, your body, and you. What is you? And so people with damage on the non-dominant hemisphere, if they have either a tumor there or some sort of damage, Stroke. Uh, they will deny that parts of their body belong to them. So they can be in a hospital bed and they'll call the nurse in and say, could you get that out of here? And it's be their leg. So, so, now, so how, what do we call it? it, it with, Psychotics and the uh, and the OC, uh, the psychotics and addicts where where they don't have insight and the personality disorders what, what schizophrenia how, in there schizophrenia too? they they don't see what's happening yeah. to them it looks it feels like anosognosia to me yeah well the that's just a denial that there's something wrong right that's that's fun, fundamentally that's a disorder so it's a denial and so people with with this and it has to do with sense of self and how the the body maps to the external world maps to your brain and your body yep. and how that maps to your sense of self. And it, there can be a disconnection there along the way. If you have damage in those fiber bundles that connect it. So you may feel the arm, you feel the pain and be able to move the parts of the body, but they don't belong to you. And this is part of uh, a sub part of what's called the mirror neuron system. And the mirror neuron system is, Drew, as you know, connected to the insula, which then applies an emotional content. And people who don't have that, um, they may understand that they're being chewed up, but they don't care, right? right. They don't care. Right. Right. And one of the, you know, this is one of the 
uh, one of the interesting parts of this is people with the terminal cancer who have the sense of dread, you know, it's the fear of not existing. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, psilocybin, the mushrooms, the hallucinogen yep. seems to really work. Yep. So you can still know what's going on. You can still feel the pain of what's going on, but you don't care about it. You don't have that dread. So, so these so, are all components. Yeah, I get it. Do, do we have a name? I want to come up with a name. I've been calling it NS anisognosia. What, what do we call this? Because the denial and lack of insight in certain psychiatric conditions is so so intense, it feels biological. Yeah, it's it's a. There are different kind of in in agnosias. Yeah. There's propagnosia. There's several kinds, and you know if you're mapping the world, what's out there socially or just stimulus out there to the brain, and then the brain to the body, the body to the emotions. Mm. Well, they're going to show up in different ways if there's damage to one of those circuits. So you may have everything else is okay, and I think this is one case where. Uh, you can say, well, the brain is kind of like a computer. Remember the HAL computer uh, from 2001 Space Odyssey, where at the end he's pulling out the modules and he's singing slower and slower, Daisy, yes. Daisy. Well, these modules, there are brain circuits uh, that you can still have the rest of the circuit sort of working and pulling these out. So depending on where that, uh, where you've been hit on the head, where the tumor is, you can have different uh, agnosias, and the the agnosias are just like not knowing, so you yes. don't know certain things. Yeah, and and then finally, my last point is, um, you you mentioned Trump is not a psychopath, but to me, he, he and Teddy Roosevelt seem like the same personality to me. And I keep saying, Land knows I've been saying yeah. this. Do, do you, I'm curious on your in, intake. And they both manic. They're both they both they, up all night work. Yeah, they're fighters. They, they, they're counterpunchers. I mean, well, Teddy yeah, Roosevelt I mean, used to run around the street, beat people up in the middle of the night when he was a well, yeah, yeah, it's very commissioner. very aggressive. But all these traits, you know, you can have a, a group of traits that are some of the psychopathic traits or narcissistic traits. It doesn't make you a categorical psychopath or categorical right. narcissist, but you have the traits. Right, right. And everybody's usually got something. And if you don't have one of these things, you're called a boring person. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. No, you're right. My, my, I should say that. It's psychology now. True. But since I college, I kept telling him, I go, look, man, everyone's got something. Come on, everyone's here. You know, otherwise, it's not interesting. So, so but uh, James, as as always, uh, do you have any last questions? I, I feel no, you. No, I, no with the, the Hernandez, when they, they did the sort of cross of a normal 27-year-old brain and oh, yeah. his brain, it just seemed to me like a like a dying brain. It just, yeah. I mean, as the yeah. non-doctor yeah, yeah. in the room, it just looked like it was yeah. dying. And yeah, but the, but, but the drugs can do that. Oh, Alcohol yeah. can do that. Yeah, and is, yeah you're right. And he, had all, he had it all there. Yeah, yeah. Yet that, I'm glad you, you you had the exact same impression I did. Like there's so much here to try to parse out one thing as causational is just impossible. There's so many horrible things going on. With That's people. right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. certainly with all of them, that verse that was a perfect storm. I mean, just any so, any one of them would have worked. Doctor Fallon, before I let you go, do you have anything else to promote? You've got a movie about the Dalai Lama. Yeah, it's out. We've won about 13 film festival awards. This is the Dalai Lama, the scientist, and he's and he's really into technical stuff. So I was brought on as the science advisor and editor, uh, where it, and it took a while is to take uh, Tibetan Buddhist thought from you know 2,300 years ago, and then map it onto modern scientific findings of cognitive science, genetics. Uh, or as close as you can get, but also cosmology and quantum mechanics, and and it's wow. it's matching those up, um, and 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 those insights because a lot of you know, this this goes back a long way that people the human brain has insights, 
We don't know why we have this insight, right? And Kant, you know, Kant had it was the a priori uh, sort of effect, and also Plato had it. It's, it's a Platonic thing where we are born with knowledge. That is, the ideas are already in there. The, right. Aristotle was wrong. Plato was right, as it turns out. Yeah, Which is not one. great for libertarians, but you know, there you go. Yeah, on this uh, one. So yeah, so so the idea being that, like, you know, uh, Kant's point was that there was like numbers and series and the causation and the things that we naturally sort of knew uh, that we evolved to know yeah. that we didn't need to be taught. Right. So, uh, we're born well, with a sense. Go ahead, finish, please. No, yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, we're, it seems that we're born with a sense of beauty. We're, we're born with a, uh, a, a sense of fear, different kinds of fear. We don't need to be taught these things. And of course, it, I guess it comes from French humanism and the post Enlightenment that everything is the environment, right? And and, and this just that's how you create. It. And it turns out not to be true after all. Last 10, 12 years of neuroscience shows that that's not the case. Yeah, and unfortunately, I, we've our country has gone a little back to that uh, post Enlightenment French humanistic uh, romanticism. Oh, yeah, and, and denying <laughs> the basic neurobiology. Right. But okay, yeah, they actually going downhill. Yeah, you hear incredible. Yeah, they they just deny any sort of individual differences based on the genetics and what we've inherited over millions of years. You, the circuits you, are already there. Yeah, well, you know what I've noticed when it comes to any feature or or disorder, the 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 way I say it is. On average, about the, about sixty percent of the disorder, if we're looking at disorders, about sixty percent of the trader disorder can be accounted for on the basis of genetics alone. How does that sound? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's not the whole story, right? right. But 60%, if you have genetics, sixty percent. This is the nature nurture thing. If you have the genetics for a problem, yeah. and then you, the insult, the environmental insult comes, that's that's what does it. But if you don't have the genetics for it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't happen. So the environment almost doesn't mean anything. Do you so think there'll ever net. be a day where we'll be able to figure out if somebody has those genetics if they're born with oh, it? Yeah. Is there some oh, way yeah. we can test yeah, yeah. it out? Someday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah we can it's do coming. that pretty much uh, now. Uh, the thing is, do you want to know that? There's, there's <laughs> right, a lot of right, that's right. what I was going to say. The next part is like, if you know that, do you try to take those genes out and then you're playing God well, and then fair, what, what could happen? They're, they're, and necessary, they're necessary, but not sufficient to cause these things. That's it. That's a good point. Uh, but let's let's wrap this up. I got. I want to take a quick couple calls before I wrap the whole show up. But Dr. Fallon, I will say goodbye to you. The book is The Psychopathics Inside. Uh, and uh, James, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. True. Leans, yeah. All right. Bye. I would take uh, people so so quietly. I'm oh, so patiently yeah. on hold. I yes. don't want to let them uh, go too long without getting to some of these people. Uh, we're going to wrap this up in about five minutes. Miranda, go ahead. Hi, Dr. Drew. It's Hi. nice to talk to you. Long fan, long time fan. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I um I was diagnosed with a hereditary neuropathy yeah. um, over a year ago. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in communication. Um, used to plan fundraising events. Economy went down. Went back to school to become to get in the medical field. Fell in love with surgery. Had my plan all planned out. Was going to go back to school, be a PA, so I could do even more in surgery. Cool. <laughs> and then um, my neurologist. Diagnosed me by a genetic testing, and it's a sensory motor loss um, in my extremities. Mm. So he and I had a talk, and he said, "You, to, for the safety of yourself, your patients, 
et cetera, et cetera. So you could you, you would start you would start you would start being able to use your dropping and, the instruments, things uh, like that, right? So or, your dream of doing anything in surgery yeah, his, is basically yeah. gone. Well, yes. Yeah. So, like, you know, if I'm I'm doing two, three, four things at one time all the time in surgery, and I'm, I'm retracting here or, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to cut something with my left hand, and if I reach over with my right hand, and I accidentally poke um, a suture with my gloves on, oh, and yeah. I don't feel it, yeah, yeah. and I hand it to the surgeon, and then he uses it on the patient, it's and disaster. none of us know until I see, oops, I have a hole in my glove, yeah. you know, that's no, you did, so, you did yeah, the right thing. Yeah, and also the strength but, but the, in, talk, my, in my right. Yeah, let's, yeah let's it, and I know I did the right the, thing. I did the, the right thing. Charcot Marie Tooth is the syndrome you're alluding to, right? Yes, okay. I've got two rare sub sub. sub That's what I was going to say. Um, Char- Charcot so Char- Char- Marie Tooth is... can't be reversed? No, but 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 Charcot Marie Tooth no, is sort of an old no treatment. Yeah, it's sort of a catch-all term. It's a bunch of French neurologists. You know, Charcot was famous <laughs> for Charcot feet and joints yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, and in more recent years, I can't believe you've heard of it. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, I've, I've treated it a number of times, and and, um, and it, oh, wow. it breaks down into subcategories now. So my question to you is: Did you get a sural nerve biopsy? Did you get? A, did they actually look at the nerve uh, on path specimen? They have not done a nerve biopsy. Does somebody want they to, didn't. I, 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 would, I have found what, that to be an what, important piece of the story these days. I know the genetics are kind of worked out, but but there are in you know they're anti some of it's active. It, you know if it's immunologically active, there may, may be ways to direct treatment at that immunological activity and slow this thing down. Perhaps. I mean, I'm not a neurologist. I'm just guessing right. that there may be something going on right, right. that way. Like, are your fingertips like? Do you feel right. numbness in your in your extremities, like your fingers and stuff? So, for example, I usually test my I turn my shower on. I usually test it with my upper arm or my shoulder with water, so I don't scald myself. Oh my god! Um, my my symptoms are very progress, very slowly progressing. I'm very lucky, but looking back. Uh, from when I was young, you know, I couldn't run as fast as anybody because of the drop foot situation. Oh, and so, um, so and then I wouldn't feel sick. You know, I, I, I have bruises all over my legs. I've no, how I, no idea how I got them. So that's mm. what we're looking at kind of, but my feet, Ooh. my neurologist puts them, he'll, he'll, you know, sterilize a, or sanitize a, a thumbtack just for a quick test and he'll have me close my eyes and poke me starting at the bottom of my feet. I feel, I feel something is there and he's not poking lightly and then he'll get to kind of like right below my knee and I jump because it's just the weirdest feeling. It doesn't hurt. It's just weird. Yeah. My, my, uh, and I'm also also, losing my muscles. My experience with Charcot Marie Tooth though is it kind of plateaus sometimes. And I'm hoping that again, I, I would keep kind of aggressively, you know, seeing what's out there because it it is a such, it is a, these are rare conditions, relatively sure. speaking, and uh, there's always people doing research in these things. And now with all the immuno- immunological mo- modulators we have, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's doing something, but they probably will need to biopsy the nerve and look at it and really right. cl- qu- right. specify exactly what's going on immunologically. Uh, Thank you, my dear. Thank you Thank for the you. call. 
And uh, interesting, right? This is an interesting show, is it not? Very, Isn't very he something? James Fallon is just, I, I love talking love to him. I learning new things and being around smart people. <laughs> did, did, had you spoken to him before? I think we, we talked to him on the show a once, A briefie, yes. right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Next live show, well, we're going to do a show in about 20 minutes on homelessness. And so hang on, everybody, those of you that have called in. And we're going to have the so-called homeless czar in here from the White House. What? No, I was going to, can I throw you under the bus? What was the test that Dr. Judy Ho did with you? And you come Rorschach. to find out. And you, you, aren't you like... Not a psychopath. No, no. I, what I what I traits. was was all my personality characteristics that I thought I'd work through in therapy, which don't bother me. I don't think about them anymore. We're just there. They were <laughs> there. They were on the on the Rorschach. I'm like, like God, that's, I thought, that's I, not my test. No, no. I was like, really? I thought that was I thought that was over with. <laughs> that those things, and it was a lot of people pleasing and those kinds of, oh, right. kind of stuff I do. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I thought I wasn't doing so much of that. Mm-hmm. Next live show will be January 26th. To make sure to sign up at drdrew.tv. We're gonna have. We're going to have Robert Marbot in here in just a, a few moments at 4.30. We're going to do a show on homelessness. Leanne's going to stay with me. Uh, you can sign up with your email, but best option is to sign up with your phone number at drdrew.tv. The alerts are quick and easy. No worries about spam because the phone alerts are only letting you know that we are taking your calls. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Um, Ask Dr. Drew is now available as a podcast, so make sure you subscribe to this and all of other shows on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you listen. You can find out the details at drdrew.com. Um, and we're doing a daily, we're trying to do a daily dose show. We're trying to come in here every day and do a few minutes and just uh, alert people what's going on. Uh, be sure to go to drdrew.com to get the links to the other podcasts we have present. Me and Adam do a show every day still. And I've got, uh, after dark at your mom's house with Tom Segura. And we appreciate you, um, subscribing and being a part of this and also subscribing the YouTube channel, all listed at drdrew.tv. We appreciate our producer, Ms. Susan Pinsky, Lindy K. Floyd, call screener, Leanne, thank you for being here with us. And of course, Caleb. Caleb. Again, there, Caleb, uh, Caleb not, last but not least for sure is the, the brains <laughs> behind all good. these screens you saw and all the <laughs> exactly. movement and uh, he's, he's put, set this whole thing up and runs it. So we appreciate it and we'll see you again in about 20 minutes. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. Today's call screener is Lindsay K. Floyd. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast. If you have a question, go to drdrew.tv, that is D-R-D-R-E-W.tv and sign up to receive an alert next time I am taking calls. No spam, just quick alerts when I'm streaming live. Also, you can text your question to me right now at 984-237-3739, and I'll see if I can help you out on one of our future shows. Check out our other podcast and watch the full-length HD video versions anytime at drdrew.com. This is just a reminder that the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care or medical evaluation. This is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm a licensed physician with over 35 years of experience, but this is not a replacement for your personal physician, nor is it medical care. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me. Call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime, 24-7, for free support and guidance. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 